0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you.
1: Morning everybody. It's, the, the reading is from Mark chapter 8 verses 11 to 26 and it's on page 1021 in the Pew Bible starting at verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened Do you have eyes, but fail to see, and ears, but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, "'Do you still not understand?' They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, "'Do you see anything?' He looked up and said, "'I see people. They look like trees walking around.' Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. This is the word of the Lord.
2: So, first of all, thank you for having me a second time. It's obviously done something right to be here again. (laughs) Let's just pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we say thank you, Lord, for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bring healing to those this morning who are bereaving, those who are mourning, those who are going through a very difficult time, Lord draw close to them now uphold them in your loving arms heavenly father may they be filled with your perfect peace the peace that surpasses all understanding and lord i pray that you fill them with joy because the joy of the lord is their strength strengthen this church those who are not well those who are sick lord bring healing into their bodies we pray bring restoration I ask in your precious name. And we say, Lord, thank you for your word. May we read your word. May we study your word. May we delight in your word. May we meditate day and night on your word. May your word renew our minds, Lord, and transform our lives. May we hear from you now. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, may the church say, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So there is often uh, pressure on the church to be more relevant, especially in the Western world, in the Western culture. There's this pressure on the church to be more relevant. We want our churches to grow in number, is that correct? We do, don't we? We want more and more people coming in through the doors, don't we? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be asking those questions, so you can keep, <laughs> amen and yes, okay. We want more people coming through our doors. We want to see our seats or pews filled, right? So there's this pressure on the church to be more relevant. We want to reach the non-believers. We want the unchurched to feel welcomed. We want to show that the church is not boring or outdated. So there is often a pressure on the church To be more relevant? What could the church do to draw in more unbelievers? What could the church do to reach the unsaved and the lost and the ungodly? What could the church do to persuade the doubters and the skeptics? Perhaps an increased number of miracles in our churches might help. Perhaps more signs and wonders would be convincing. Perhaps more engagement uh, with political matters could be the answer. Maybe more involvement in societal issues is the key. All these things are good. Yes, they are. But the question is, are they enough to convince and persuade the most stubborn person, the most cold person, the most uncaring person, the most doubtful person. Is those things enough? Now there are two main problems that I'd like to present here in Mark chapter 8 verses 11 to 21. There's so much to pack in and I couldn't do it for 20 minutes. There's two main problems I want to look at. Everyone say two problems. Two problems. Just two, yes. The first problem is presented by the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. And the second problem comes from Jesus' disciples. So let's look at the first problem that concerns the Pharisees. Jesus had miraculously fed 4,000 people. He did that with seven loaves or from seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Prior to that Jesus had miraculously fed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus had exhibited many miracles many, everyone say many miracles. He had exhibited many, many miracles and had performed many signs and yet a problem still continued to present itself. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. This was not the first time either. They had a reputation of doing this, questioning Jesus. Their intention was to test him. Everyone say test him. The word test here means to trap to tempt that's what they came to do trap him and tempt him they wanted to trap jesus and tempt him into performing a sign verse 11 says they asked for a sign from heaven now that's very significant you see the pharisees wanted to see something very dramatic that's what they wanted to see something very spectacular not like just healing somebody that's not dramatic enough that was maybe perhaps a bit normal now they wanted to see something even more remarkable possibly bringing down fire from heaven like the case of elijah they wanted something dramatic more remarkable more extraordinary and jesus said no 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 more signs for these people no more you see the jewish leaders wanted signs after signs they wanted the, they wanted the signs to be more and more dramatic as they came and verse 12 says that jesus sighed deeply now this sigh would have been one of deep grief deep pain and disappointment now jesus had just fed 4000 people before that, he had calmed the storm, walked on water, and fed 5,000 people. Jesus had performed many miracles. You're following now, right? I heard some of you say many miracles, right? So. But the leaders of God's chosen people still needed convincing. Jesus performed many many miracles, but yet they still needed convincing. They still required verification that Jesus was from God. Now I want you to note this that it's not wrong to require verification for something. It's not wrong in and of itself to want verification. As Christians, we should do so, right? Yeah, we should. We shouldn't follow something blindly. We should check things out. We should get confirmation. But in the case of the Pharisees, they could have easily traveled with Jesus. They could have easily got along with Jesus. Jesus never said they couldn't follow him. Jesus never said you cannot tag along with me. So they could have done that. They could have done their homework. They could have had the verification that they needed at that point these Jewish leaders, the scribes as well, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, claimed that they love God. They claim that they know God. But they do not recognize the one sent from God. They do not recognize the Messiah. They claim they love God. They claim they know God, but they do not know the one sent from God. And there is the problem, you see. They are stuck in unbelief their hearts are hard everyone say hard hearts. hard hearts a stiff-necked people stuck in unbelief hard hard hearts now people today can be very much like the pharisees right they think a miracle will prove to them that god is real how many times have you heard people say that if i see a miracle from what if i see a sign then i will believe Just show me another sign, God, and then I will believe you. Signs and wonders will amaze people. Yes, they will. But if your heart is hard, then very quickly that amazement will fade. Very quickly. And you will need yet another sign, yet another miracle, yet something more dramatic to try and convince you. Now, interestingly, Jesus did not use miracles To prove who he was. That's not why he did them, who he was or who he still is. Jesus performed miracles from a place of love. He performed miracles from a place of compassion and mercy towards others. It wasn't to prove who he was, not necessarily. There is enough evidence of God in creation, right? The historical event of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection is an evidence of God. God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul mentions that people do what with the truth? They suppress the truth with their wickedness. They suppress, they restrain, they hold back the truth with their own wickedness. Rather than demanding for more miracles, we only have to look at what is obvious. Creation itself speaks of God's existence. Creation points to a creator. It's amazing how many people worship the creation or the created and not the creator. How can the creator be more powerful than the creator? Morals point to a law giver. So we only have to look at what is obvious. So we need to pray for people that have hard hearts. We need to pray for people. If we have hard hearts, we need to pray. We pray that their hearts will be softened. That they will be receptive to the powerful gospel message. We pray that God's amazing grace will break through and shatter their unbelief. Amen? Do you agree with me? Okay, so we're going to look at the second problem here. The second problem concerning the disciples again jesus had miraculously fed four thousand people prior to that jesus had miraculously fed five thousand people plus jesus had exhibited many miracles and had performed many signs and yet a problem continued to present itself and the disciples they failed the test They failed the test. You see, a time is coming, or was coming, when the disciples will not have Jesus with them anymore. A time is coming when Jesus will not be with them anymore. And they will need to be strong. They will need to be courageous. They will need to be bold. And they will be the ones spreading the good news, the resurrection news of Jesus Christ. They will be the ones to have to spread this news. They will be the ones furthering God's kingdom, on earth and it won't be easy they will have the help of the holy spirit but it's not going to be easy it's going to be challenging so the question is are they ready and the answer is no not really they're not ready unlike the pharisees unlike the pharisees the disciples had followed jesus around and they had done this for a good length of time they had witnessed jesus performing many miracles. They had seen some of the power of the kingdom of God at work. They had seen it with their own eyes. But unfortunately, the disciples also had a problem of their own. How do we know this? Well, Jesus gives the disciples a warning, and their response shows that they have not learned anything. They've not learned anything about who they are with. They had brought only one loaf of bread with them on their journey. And then Jesus tells them to be careful and to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The disciples don't get it. They discuss whether it was because they had not enough bread on them or no bread at all. That's what they're discussing. But Jesus' warning had nothing to do with physical edible bread. Now tell me, does this happen to you all? You're trying to tell somebody something secretly in code. There's other people around, so it needs to be in code. You hope they get it and they don't get it. And then you have to end up explaining it out loudly or everyone hears what you're now saying. It was supposed to be to you privately, but you didn't get it. And now I've had to expose what I was trying to say to you. Well, I think it was kind of one of those moments for Jesus. Jesus thought that they would understand the metaphor Especially after everything that they had seen, everything that they had experienced. What is the problem concerning the disciples? They were blind. Everyone say blind. But spiritually speaking, they were blind spiritually speaking. Spiritually blind. To put it another way, the disciples were still influenced by the I wonder how many Christians, I dare not say there's any here, <laughs> that are influenced by the world. Still caught up with worldly things when God wants us to be holy and set apart. Their thinking was stuck on the material things and not on the spiritual. How many of us often get stuck on the material things and not on the spiritual do you know that when you deal with an issue when you deal with a problem you're supposed to deal with it spiritually first did you know that it's the spiritual that is more powerful than the physical the spiritual has the impact on the physical when we see things they are physical manifestations of what's happening in the spiritual realm so when we pray that's what we're doing when we pray we tap in to the spiritual realm and asking God to bring his kingdom down onto earth. So, should not having enough bread on a journey have been their concern? Should that have been their concern? Someone who fed 4,000, 5,000, should that really be a concern? Oh, we haven't got enough bread, really? Should that be your concern? They were with a person who had fed 5,000, 4,000 people from a little amount of bread. They had been with someone who has done many miracles and yet they are still concerned about their daily needs may that not be us this morning the disciples failed the test didn't they the question is are they ready the answer is no not really so what is the yeast of the Pharisees you might be wondering and of Herod that Jesus was warning about a piece of dough would be removed from an old batch of bread. That piece of dough would then be fermented. That was a process. That would be then put into a new batch of bread to help it rise. That was the yeast that would cause the bread to rise. It was a process. So without the yeast, the bread would be unleavened bread, flat bread. With the yeast, the bread would be leavened bread. Now, in ancient Jewish times, especially in the New Testament, the yeast was understood as a metaphor for something that enhances or something that corrupts. The yeast that Jesus is alluding to here is something that corrupts. It is the false teaching of the Pharisees. It's their hypocrisy. One of the big things that Jesus challenged is hypocrisy. And I think that's a good thing Because when people come at us as Christians and say I don't want to be a Christian because you're all a bunch of hypocrites You can tell them, well that's the one thing That's one of the biggest things that Jesus dealt with And challenged was hypocrisy The yeast that Jesus talks about is their hypocrisy It's their legalism It is their self-righteousness The yeast of Herod Antipas would have been that of scepticism and worldliness jesus warns his disciples about such behavior because these behaviors are creeping in they creep into the church as well don't they jesus warns his disciples about these behaviors the pharisees looked holy on the outside sometimes we can look very holy on the outside we can raise our hands and we can do all the stuff that it looks good in church But they were bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt inside. They were corrupt, unholy on the inside. The disciples missed the point of Jesus' warning. They were still worried about the material things. So may we look at things spiritually and not be worried so much about the material things. You do need to take care of the material things. Yes, you do. But may our eyes be focused on the spiritual things may we not forget that Christ Jesus supplies all our needs amen do you agree Christ Jesus supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory Jesus declared in John chapter 6 verse 35 I am the bread of life I am the bread of life it's me whoever comes to me will never go hungry And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus himself is the bread of life. So to conclude here, I hope I haven't gone over 20 minutes. So to conclude, we have two problems. We have two mistakes. The mistakes of the Pharisees, the mistakes of the disciples. The Pharisees expected too much. The disciples saw too little. The Pharisees had hard hearts. The disciples were spiritually blind. And it's interesting that the next miracle is what? In verses 22 to 26, Jesus restoring sight to a blind man. Is that a coincidence? And notice the... the, the, Sight wasn't restored immediately, was it? There was a process. 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 And as was mentioned earlier, the disciples then begin to see what they need to see spiritually. It's a process. The main purpose of the church is not to show how relevant it is. The main purpose of the church, or every believer for that matter, is not to prove God's existence with miracles, signs, and wonders. The purpose of the church is to reciprocate, reciprocate, everyone say reciprocate? Reciprocate. God's love. We are to reciprocate it into all spheres of life. We are to reciprocate, we are to live Christ out. That's what we are to do. Our church should be one of love and of grace and of mercy and of reconciliation and of forgiveness. That's what our churches should be filled with. We live Christ, we example Christ to the world. And do you know what? God's love is always relevant. So the church doesn't need to be outdated. If we are reciprocating God's love, God's love is always relevant. Who does not need God's love? I have not met one person who does not need God's love. It's always relevant and it will never, never, ever be outdated. Outdated. I end here. To combat spiritual blindness within ourselves, what we need is a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I heard that you're doing prayer week and so on. It's prayer. Prayer. Prayer changes things, prayer also changes us. Prayer is communication with God. We talk to God, but we also listen from God. And when we pray, we draw closer to Him. We need to remain in prayer. The Bible tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Study God's word. Spend time in God's word. Allow it to renew your mind and your thought processes. It is when we devote ourselves to prayer that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. That's now the object of where what you're looking at is Jesus. You know, if you're looking at Jesus, you're not looking at the problems around you. Did you know that? You can't do both at the same time. If your eyes are fixed on Jesus, your eyes are not on your problems. We need to remain in prayer. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our vision is clearer. We can see spiritually. I end here that we put our trust in the Lord with all our heart, all our heart, all our being, put our trust in Jesus Christ. Do not lean on your own understanding. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.